I am, I'm going to give you a few Mozambican rules of engagement before I get the team up this morning. I'm going to start with a very hearty, Bom dia, familia. Bom dia, exactly. That's what would happen when you stand up in a Mozambican church. Bom dia, familia. And then bom dia would be the very exuberant response. The other thing that I want your participation with this morning is that if any of the team say, Hallelujah, then you need to give a hearty, Amen. And, and it, 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 it needs to be like that. It needs to be drawn out. So we're going to do a practice. Hallelujah. 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 All right. Excellent. And then the other rule of engagement is that if we think at any point you're nodding off, we're going to say, Amen. And you're going to respond with, Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. So you're going to be listening out for these two phrases in our sharing this morning. I want to, at this point, invite up the team. You all need to be dressed like me, the girls. Up you come. While they're coming, I'll give you a bit of an explanation about these capilanas. So um, this is a very traditional part of Mozambican women's dress. Um, it's a part of their modesty. It's a part of their way of dressing. It's a multifunction garment that can be used as a skirt. It can be used to carry their babies. It can be used to knot up to put on their head so that when they're carrying loads on their head that it will balance properly. And these are very important parts of a Mozambican woman's wardrobe. And what we found when we were there is it's also a way that they honour guests. These were presented to us with singing and dancing and prayer. And each one of us have a number of capilanas because they were gifted to us at any church that we went to um, and as part of our farewell as we left Zimpeto Children's Centre. And so we may not manage to hold on to them this afternoon. We haven't actually, we've all got clothes underneath, so that will be all right. Um, but uh, they're not the easiest thing to wear. I'm not entirely used to it. But anyway, we wanted to show you the amazing African fabrics that um, they have in Mozambique. So I wanted to start um, by just introducing each of the members of the team. Um, so you guys can't stand down there. You've got to come up. Up. Yep. Excellent. So you, many of you will know all of us up here, but just to make sure um, that you do, um, we have Pam, Pamela. In, in Mozambique, girls' names have a uh at the end, so she was all right. She had one um, already, so she was Mama Pamela. Uh, Justin or Justinio. Katerina, Catherine, Arlene in Australia, Arlena in Mozambique, Lorraine in Australia, Lorinda in Mozambique, Helen in Australia, Helena in Mozambique, and then Ratna. You didn't get Ratna, did you? <laughs> right now? Because boys have an O at the end of their names, so yeah. We wanted to start this morning by just thanking you for praying for us. Um, we felt so carried 
so significantly upheld. Um, a number of you even um, got together midweek to, and were requesting prayer requests um, to make sure that we were covered in prayer. From not losing any of our bags to smooth border crossings to God's covering over some of the unexpected things that happened on our trip to our connections with people, um, we just want to thank you for your prayer cover over us. And that sense that although seven of us went, we took the greetings, the care and the generosity of Vision Church with us. And so I just wanted to really thank you for that. Um, we had a number of words given to us before we left as a team, um, particularly around this theme of paying attention to the unexpected and not missing God's miracles in the hidden places and the small things. And I think you'll hear as the team shares this morning how that played out for us and how we really saw God at work in exactly that way. Um, you will probably not be surprised that for each one of us, we've been deeply impacted by this trip, um, that we've been changed by the experience of spending time in Mozambique. And so this morning is our attempt to put that into words. You're going to have to forgive us that it, there are lots of things that it's very hard to describe. We'll give you some of the information and we'll share some of the experiences that we've had. But there's always going to be an inadequacy to telling you about what the Mozambican people are like, what a generous people they are, what an open-hearted and community-oriented people they are, about how we saw God at work in... Um, in our unfamiliarness that we were able to see God clearly at work in our midst. That um, we, we want to be able to give witness to seeing what God was doing there and um, the privilege that it was to share and serve with our brothers and sisters in Mozambique. But because, in a sense, words are a little inadequate, we thought we would start with some pictures just to give you a little bit of a taste of some of the things that we saw and experienced. So I'm going to get the team and myself to come and sit down, and I think you guys are ready at the back, so your attention to the screens. Um, I want you to give a very Mozambican-style welcome to Justin as he comes to share this morning. Thank you. God is good. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well done. Thank you. Bom dia, Vision Church, and bom dia to all of you who are viewing online. That last song that you just saw there, that's a bit of a, became a bit of a theme song for the team. There were a lot of church services that we attended over there. It wasn't just on Sundays, and a lot of singing, and that song seemed to pop up every time, and it, it's a really, it's a good indication, I think, of the work that God is doing there that, that we witnessed. Um, I've got some notes. I worried that if I just stood up here, my mind would go blank or I'd break down and weep. So this gives me a bit of... That may still happen, so forgive me. Catherine and I have been hearing about this ministry for over 20 years. Um, but we're just getting glimpses. We'd see photos that Ros and Steve would bring back when they visit Australia and we'd hear some testimonies. And uh, occasionally Vision would send teams across 
And I would think, is that something I could ever do? Uh, is that something God would call me to? And after we finish sharing this morning, I wonder if some of you will be asking those questions too. I just want to give you a taste of the ministry at the Zimpeto Children's Centre so, so that you can be aware of what it is. For those of you who don't know, for those of you who have been there, this could be a bit of an update. Um, we, we heard some stories that in the early days of the ministry there were something like 550 children there, um, no walls or fences, and uh, when the school bell rang the kids would scamper. Um, fast forward to today and with, there's a, a brand new church building on the centre hosting services all through the week as well as for the wider community on, on Sundays. There's a school that takes in children from outside the centre as well as from inside and is now regarded as one of the most highly regarded schools in the city. There's a Bible school training up future leaders. There's a medical clinic. Uh, and, of course, there are dorms for children to live in and a place for them to eat. And uh, it, it's a safe haven. It is fully fenced, and it's a safe haven for, for vulnerable children to live in a city that's not always safe. Hallelujah. Amen. Well done. Good. <laughs> These are all facts, but what's harder to put into words is the, the love that pervades the place. Um, the, the children aren't just cared for, they're loved, and... My impression is that most of them know this. Um, you can see it in the joy in their faces when they greet Papa Steve and Mama Rosa. Uh, you can hear it in their uh, spontaneous singing and in their, their exuberant banter. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of expected the place to be somewhat chaotic. There's you know, around 200 children there, some of them coming from challenging and even traumatic backgrounds. But what we found was a, a place that's characterised by peace and order. And uh, one reason for this, I think, as uh, Catherine has already alluded to, is, is it's just soaked in prayer. And we got some immediate experience of the, the, the quantity and quality of the prayer that happens there. I'm sure you'll hear more about that. Um, God is good. Amen? Amen. Good. <laughs> Another reason for the atmosphere there, that the peace, the order, the joy and the hope, as well as the evolution of the centre to what it is today, is the direction and influence of Steve and Roz over the last 23 years. They have humbly committed themselves to this place being their personal mission and their second home. Uh, even though the centre is gradually increasing in the amount of management that's taken on board by Mozambicans, Ros and Steve remain central to its continuing develop development today. I mentioned hope just now. One thing that also is hard to convey is the contrast in living conditions from here. Uh, there's rampant unemployment, there's no social security, uh, people are suffering and dying from illnesses and diseases that here we would think of as being treatable. Uh, and I think Mozambique must have very different building codes to Australia. Let me just say that. With my spoiled Australian viewpoint, I see in Maputo so much need that it is heartbreaking. 
In contrast to that, while we were there, we met some young adults, some of whom had grown up in the centre themselves, who were bright-eyed university graduates, and while they might not have been able to find employment in their chosen fields, they were on fire for God and serving him in any way that they could with joy and hope. One thing I'm learning is that I can't apply to Mozambique my Aussie sense of expectations in life, uh, and that is a lesson in shifting perspectives, because God has so much in store for each of us that we can't even expect, and that's regardless of our circumstances. Here are some of the reasons for that hope, the extended ministries that the centre has initiated or is involved in, and through which God is making a difference in Maputo, shining a light in that whole area. The Marikwini Youth Project, where young men who were living at the centre but are now adults, they move out into a small house to learn to live on their own, but in a community where there are others like them and where there's a dedicated social worker who's coming to check on them and a church planted in that community with a supported pastor. You saw in the pictures the Marikwini Church service where we had lunch. And it's a wonderful, vibrant church community there. There's a prison ministry with a pastor who is dedicated to visiting these vulnerable people, mostly men, in a dire circumstance, really, um, every week to worship the Lord and share an encouraging word with them. A hospital ministry involving weekly prayer uh, over ill and injured patients in a local hospital. A ministry to the people who live at Hulani. Where there is an enormous rubbish dump that is scoured for anything of value, including recyclable material. And the ministry there involves worshipping the Lord on or adjacent to the dump itself, praying for people on the spot, handing out loaves of bread, and supporting the nearby church that was planted there. There's a Bible school at the centre I've already mentioned that's open to delegates from any church in Mozambique that has that, and that provides prayer-soaked instruction and encouragement to these future leaders. Fortnightly distribution of food boxes, over 100, to known areas of need in the community. Uh, both the church and the school at the centre are open to the wider community, including 150 dedicated placements at the school for students from the community whose families wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it. Uh, a dedicated medical clinic, which I mentioned, uh, that not only offers medical care for children and staff at the centre, but also to the wider community. Uh, and a fortnightly milk program is also run for community mothers and their babies who are failing to thrive. And the centre employs over 150 staff uh, in, a, in a country where unemployment is very high, even for those with higher educations. The centre employs a significant number of men and women who are themselves graduates of the centre. A significant impact of the centre, and of Steve and Roz in particular, is the degree to which they strengthen the local church. Wherever a project is started, a church is planted and a local pastor is supported. Uh, and this includes supporting the pastor's family in, in sometimes tragic circumstances, like when uh, Pastor Pedro's wife, uh, who died recently, and it's only what, a few months before we visited. Um, and his family is being supported. They regularly visit these local churches to preach and bring encouragement. The church building at the centre was designed by Steve and funded by the centre. 
some future developments and further cause for hope. There's a, a block of land they have that they're developing for a youth project for girls who graduate from the centre but continue to need support. It's like the one already set up for the boys. And the transformation of the dorms to become a little more self-contained and homely with cooking facilities for meals prepared at the dorm by the children and their educators and carers, including couches and sitting areas. And there were some pictures of the, the pilot dorm. That's all I have to share for now. I'm going to hand back to Catherine to take you through some of the ways in which the funds that you raised uh, were put to good use. Hallelujah. Right then. I don't, I don't really need two microphones probably, but that's all right. Let's just put that there. It's very hard to give you a glimpse of exactly what um, we saw, but I really hope that it gives you such a significant breadth of the way that the ministry works and um, the way it outreaches into the community. There were just many things that really surprised us, but I think the most significant thing for us, um, or that's actually, that's too big a statement, but one of the things that really impressed us was the way that the local church was involved and the raising up of the local church. And so for us as a local church, one of the things that we got to do because of your generosity, we took over $6,000 with us to Mozambique. And money goes a long way in Mozambique. Uh, Vision Women, uh, we raised funds for bras and all 33 bra-age-wearing girls on the centre got three bras each, and all of the tiers, that's what they call the aunties or the educators, they're the women who are dorm mums, basically, and they also received a, um, a bra each. That was 55 women. So we were able to really meet that need over and above the expectations. They could not believe that they were able to meet that need so um, generously. Um, we were able to provide um, money for a renovation of, for a family um, in terms of an indoor kitchen. In Mozambique, they do a lot of their cooking outside, but um, this was to form a kitchen inside. There was a picture up on the slide. Um, um, Lorinda, who is the name of the woman, her husband was the senior pastor of the church on the base, and he tragically died two years ago during COVID um, from diabetes, complications, things that would have just never happened here. So um, the, the, the base and the local church on the base continue to support her and we were able to take funds to be able to employ a, a proper tiler to actually do all the tiling and build the cabinetry for her kitchen. So just so good. Hallelujah. Uh, we were able to take a love offering and some money for the church, as Justin mentioned, at Marikwini, where Pastor Pedro lost his wife two um, months ago, and just to really bless them. You, it's more than the money. I just want to say that. You know, it, it, you, the look on their faces when you could talk about... We're, we're people from Australia coming from a church in Australia who love you and care for you. This is what being part of the global body of Christ looks like. And so it was so much more significant than just handing over an envelope of cash because what it communicated to him is that he was cared for, that God saw him, and that their needs were being met one way or another, and your generosity made that possible. So thank you. 
Um, there was a major renovation while we were there, started on one of the dorms. As Justin said, they're looking to try and create a more homely environment in the dormitories. And so they're just starting a pilot one in Camarada is the name of the dorm. So CAM2. Um, you saw a picture of the couch that was purchased while we were there from the money that you guys raised. Um, a false ceiling being put in because they've got very high tin ceilings that are very hot in summer. And do you believe it? It does get cold there and so also cold in winter. Um, With your money, towels were bought, blankets were bought, storage boxes for the dorms to help organise things a bit better. Um, A university fund was established for a young person who's just about to finish year 12 and um, has no family. Um, They are an orphan and... um, and so that fund has been established because this person wants to go on to study at university and the money that you gave will make that possible. Um, So that's just a few things um, that um, we saw with our own eyes while we were there when resources are taken across and how much reach and how much is seeded um, into their community by by those funds. Um, I'm going to ask Helen to come up next and to share. I'll find where I've put the microphone. Would you give her a warm welcome this morning? Good morning. Bon dia. Bon dia. <laughs> the day we arrived, we were given a warm welcome by um, Steve and Ross, fondly known by Papa Steve and Mama Rosa, and also Evan, or Evan? Evan, the coordinator for visitors for the day. He came running, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And we were like, what? <laughs> this is English. And we also said, oi, oi. So it was great. He was really excited to see us there. And he took our bags and he took us into the visitor's area, which we were pleasantly surprised. We had rooms and running water and hot water and toilets, flushable toilets and all that. So it was great. And, um, and then we were um, given an orientation of the center. And after the formalities, we were joining the children for lunch. So we were served rice and beans. And each of us, we sat in different tables with the kids. And I sat there. And these children talking, I'm trying to make conversation and could not understand. They speak Portuguese, and I don't speak Portuguese. I speak a little bit of Sinhala, that's mine. Um, and I know a few words, but I'm not going to say what they are. But anyway, I just could not understand. And I'm sitting there, and I'm really thinking, God, what am I doing here? I just didn't know. And this was my first day. I was thinking, you know, without second guessing, uh, that I really made a right choice by coming uh, in the mission, for the mission. And uh, then that night, the Lord gave me a scripture. Of course, you go to the Lord when you're there. And I'm sure I shared with the team. And this was a scripture the Lord gave me, a scripture and encouraged me. Uh, where is that? Uh, it said, it's in Micah 5, 7. It says, the remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many people like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which do not wait for man or linger for mankind. This scripture encouraged us to know that it's not what we do or what we say. It's being in the present and in the moment, just like the dew. You know, we who carry his presence, 
do not have to worry about language barriers or any other blockages. You just have to be there where God takes you. And it was really encouraging. So that afternoon, we uh, went to the dog, girl's dorm to do some nail painting and um, giving them a hand rub. And we had so much fun. It was so much laughter. And then we ended up singing Abba songs and dancing and singing. Oh, you should have seen our pastor, Catherine. <laughs> we didn't put up that picture. I think we have to put that up. She was like, oh, oh. it was so good. <laughs> it was really good. And then through the two weeks, although we didn't speak the languages, we did coloring with them. We did um, paper dolls with them. We um, prayed with them. We went to church services with them. All this bonded us together so much. It was only his love bonded us together like no other. On the final day, this was demonstrated by them hanging on us and actually making crying noises and really sad that we were leaving. And I know that um, it was very special. I know the Lord did something in my heart through this trip. It's just to know that it's nothing what we can give or what we can do. It's just being obedient to the Lord. And I'm so glad we made that decision to go on this missions trip. I, like Justin said, it's just too overwhelming when you, you know, stand there with these kids who have nothing, actually nothing, and they have everything, more than we have, definitely. We also saw firsthand how tender, compassionate, and enormous Papa Steve's and Mama Rosa's hearts are. They're champions. I pray I never lose what I've gained and so in Zimpeto. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Ratna, would you like to come and share? Would you give him a warm welcome? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You can do louder than that. Hallelujah. Anyway, as has been spoken earlier, we were so, so blessed. We thought we'll go there to be a blessing, but the way we were blessed is amazing. And one of the things that I want to highlight for, for me that really stood out was the passionate praise and worship and prayer of those people, regardless of their circumstances. And also that was a lifestyle for them. So we were able to, wherever you go, whether it was children's church, whether it was staff meeting, or whether it's the community church service, or in the dumps, or even in the prison, there was worship, vibrant worship, not singing a song. That's different. This is worship, means heart and soul and body together. Just in, they're not worried about who thinks about themselves. They just let loose to love God, love on him. And proclaim his praises. Just one example I want to tell you is that prison. You know, I have visited prison in Canberra through Kairos ministry. But this prison was different in the sense. Yes, you saw the picture there. It was just, we can enter through the gate. There was one wall. There was a gate there. We could see far away a lot of men there. 
but they were they were singing now this is an, one of the outreaches so it's not something that we did we just got the privilege to go with whatever they are doing and in this privilege of going there to that visiting that prison we could see there was a hole in the gate little small hole they can see heads peeping through the hole because they can see the entrance front entrance and here we are coming and here the people are worshiping the lord in that courtyard there's a courtyard and yes there are accommodation around that courtyard built around and there's a gate and and through the gate they can see the front and now we could hear them singing because they know you know once a week this this pastor and his people whoever might be visiting might be coming there and they are worshiping god and they are looking for us and we haven't even gone in they are already singing and as we go they continue to sing and many of them had bibles in their hands and worshiping so we just joined with them and worship god in that place and as we worship god in that place you know 95% of them were in that place of real engaging with god in that worship there were few five thing wondering you know what one of these guys are up to of course they might be new in the place or you know haven't really encountered god but the others have had a revelation of what that praise and worship meant and what i saw was a people not with prison clothes i saw people who are robed in garment royal garment of his righteousness because the presence of the lord was in that place that place was a holy ground darling yeah yes hejo yeah god bless you sweetheart yes. singing mostly yeah children like you young and old regardless of their age yes. praising god hallelujah Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's what it is. The presence of God. And they were touching heaven. So, you know, they were if they, their situation was they are in a prison. You know? Yes, sweetie. They are in a prison but they are touching heaven. Yes, there was no heaviness there. The place was holy because God's presence was there. and they are reaching out far above powers of darkness evil forces whatever that might be they are operating but they are reaching up to the highest place with their praises and proclamation of who god is and so there was the darkness had to be dispelled there was such a lightness of god's presence and they were full of joy and this we evidenced this is something unreal how could it be that in prison you can be joyful how could it be that when you have nothing when you are poor when you have been often you've gone through challenges when you've gone through so much of you know misfortunes done to you and done by others to you or whatever that might be yet you are able to and that's what we saw in every service every meeting in children and adults alike and it was not just praise and worship but prayer they knew how to connect god in prayer and worship combined together in revelations in talks about you know in revelation chapter 5 the elders as they saw the lamb you know taking that scroll from the right hand of the one who sits on the throne that's talking about jesus his victory you know the elders they they had a harp and also they had the bowl of incense the prayers of the saints lifted up before the presence of god the worship and prayer combined together 
it was not that they sing 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 and then they pray 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 it's not like a program it was just a heart of just intercession knowing who they are they're celebrating the greatness of our god as we even this morning was a wonderful time of worship thank you god in this place we sense the presence of god in our worship isn't it and in that place they are interceding with authority because they know who they are in Christ Jesus and the demonic powers will have to leave when we worship god they cannot stand there why because god's presence comes down and they have to flee they will manifest and they will leave in jesus name and such was that experience so that was just an example i don't want to preach go too long but i want to tell you this i want to tell you this hallelujah Amen. they have made that their lifestyle it was not once a week thing it was every day for them they don't mind every time and any time they found the secret of living in the place of victory and joy and peace and not under depression and oppression and fear and you know uncertainty because they knew how who they were and they knew how to proclaim the greatness of our risen god who is their defender their refuge their hiding place they are everything and so that lifestyle is what i think really is important because we were staying you know as helen mentioned we were in that visitor center next to the visitor center would be the girls dorm was there morning 6 o'clock 6:30 hear them singing every day every day not just one person singing every one of them random singing you know joy of the lord is their strength in his presence there is fullness of joy and joy of the lord is their strength and i think that was really speaking to us to say yes we can hear the birds singing in the morning if you are up let it remind us to make it a lifestyle of worship and prayer and praise to become an everyday thing for us together and alone wherever we might be hallelujah amen, amen. glory to god thank you I think one of the ways that I would describe that we're all quite acquainted with jet lag at the moment or not now but when we were coming back and um Justin and I were reading a book um while we were away and they talked about how as God's people it's a little bit like living with jet lag sometimes where you know that it's meant to be daylight but it actually looks like it's dark and what i would say about the mozambican people is that they're daylight people even though their circumstances may look like the time of day is dark they live like daylight people um proclaiming the truth that we all hold on to which is that god is making all things new that is his promise and that's his promise to us here and that's his promise to the people of mozambique Um I want to invite Arlene and Lorraine to come up next so would you give them a warm welcome as they come Oh good job you're still hanging on to your capillaries nice work Just yeah it's good Oh you you're speaking of me Bondita Hallelujah Amen start with we started this journey before we put our hands up to Mozambique so I'm going to have to pass it on to Lorraine just tell her exactly what happened it was our wednesday morning ladies um group that's here i was i came along for a few weeks just to see if it suited me 
and um, I met Arlene. God brought me here. We put us together. We have sim we have similar things in our life going on. And Arlene was asking for prayer about something, and I I had been through what she was going through, and we could I could share with Arlene, and we got to know each other. And um, I just believe God was putting us together in that way. We knew each other and were covered together with prayer. Mm -hmm. And neither of us knew that we were going to go on this trip. And then when we turned up to see who was coming, we walked in the door and here we are. We were together. I mean, God had already put the foundation of our friendship um, together yes. before we went on our trip. Yes. Yeah. And we had to share a room yeah. and all sorts of things with each other. <laughs> um, and to the point that I would forget things and... Lorraine would forget things and we'd say other half of our brain would remember. <laughs> so I just want to thank Lorraine for, for everything she did for me and praise God that we, yeah, we got on really, really well and that's, that's been a blessing to start off. But what I found, what really, really touched me over there were the children. Um, I'm not good at this. You are. <laughs> You You know, what they do for the children over there, they not only give them accommodation, a place to live, food, medical care, education, which now they've extended to the, you know, the wider people. There's 800 people going to school in their school there now. It is absolutely marvellous. They have the primary school children in the morning and the high school in the afternoon. But not only that, but there's church every day. I can hardly believe it. And the mm. kids, the kids that come to the church, they come in and they're happy, they're singing, they're dancing, they're praying. Little children laying hands on us and other people and praying for them. I've never seen it so much. I mean, they are teaching their, the children to love God, that, that God's there, our Lord is there, his presence, and they're worshipping him every day. And it just, it just pulls at your heart. And it is just so wonderful to see, you know. Um, it just touched me so much. Yeah, yeah. touched both of us. Yeah. And one other thing that, wasn't mentioned before and what they do. They have a sewing centre there for the, oh, yes. for the children, for the ladies that are uh, got a bit older and maybe around there or I think some of them... Community. For the community and that. And they have sewing classes and they make these things and they have a hospitality shop there and they sell the produce that these girls make. Um, they all got their names on the items and look, we bought the shop out. <laughs> it's where we spent all our money. I yes. tell you, the marvellous things that we bought home that those girls yes. made yes. Um, is That's absolutely wonderful. It's a blessing trying to teach the ladies there a trade. And the, and the money you know, went back to those girls mm -hmm. because they had their names on each of the items. Um, it was... Yes. You know, it was a blessing. We all come home with lots of things, with lots of stuff. <laughs> and the, uh, they were making some tote bags, and 
I bought, between the two of us, we already bought them out in the first session. So the other girls were missing out, unfortunately. So we, um, I sort of said to um, Charlotte, who was in charge of the hospitality um, selling, can you get the girls to make some more before we go? And she sort of said, I said, if they make them, we will buy. <laughs> anyway they came back with more tote bags. So we are... And we bought the shop out again. And, and, we, <laughs> and we all, all bought all these beautiful placemats when we, that we all bought at our homes now and wall hangings and... Yep. Oh, yes. And cards that they make and jewellery that they make. And earrings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Just to bless them yeah. that they're trying to get on with their lives. They're trying to get past all that they've been through, so that they can live more fruitful lives. The other thing that I also really struck me, and I'll paint you, sorry, paint you a bit of a picture. We went to a um, high school church on the Wednesday, the first Wednesday we went, and there was a visitor from um, Pamba, who also is one of Pam Cox's um, family, and... Um, it was his birthday, and what blew me away was we were in this church and we were told that they're going to take an offering for Ginsenio to make sure you've got some money to bring along to church. So we did that and was thinking, oh, well, it'll be just us and maybe a few others. In this church of 400 high school students who were told the day before it was Ginesio's birthday, the following day and to bring an offering for church. We sat there and the church service went on and then Steve got up and he had a cap and he pulled the baseball cap out and said, we're going to give an offering to Gensinio who was sitting on the step in the front with a cap. 400 kids came out and gave some money for Gensinio. And that blew me away, God's love just surrounding the whole of the uh, Genesio. And there was tears running down his eyes just with the joy of the Lord, how our love can be shown in such a little way. And these people had nothing. Some of these kids had no money whatsoever, but they gave what they could. And that was just a blessing to watch. He, he was just blown away. I don't think he's ever had a birthday party like that. Because no. I had a huge big cake and everything, you know. It was, yes. it was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. A two-layered, two-tiered cake, which one of the girls, I think one of the girls had made. But just the joy in his, his eyes. He'll never forget that birthday party. Mm. And he'd never had one before. And um, Pam's going to share about Genesio a bit later on with a bit more information, but... He was a lovely boy, and then, sorry, not boy, man. He's 27. He's 27. <laughs> but what also blew me away was with them giving the money to Genesio, um, they didn't know him from a bar of soap. He'd come from Pamba, which is 2,000 k's away. He was in the mission at Pamba that Pam was in, but they knew it was his birthday, and they just blessed him unbelievably, and just showed me how much we lack of blessing other people. Mm. The other thing that really stood out to me 
was for the praise and worship of the morning. They had the juniors at 7 o'clock after breakfast, breakfast is at 6, prayer and worship at 7. Go to the church. We've got these little ones in coats and beanies because it's freezing cold over there. In the morning it is. (laughs) And then we um, were sitting there and we were just watching them um, have their service and singing the songs that they sing and praising God unbelievably. And then they sort of stopped. There was a new boy who started at the um, the, uh, centre who was part blind and it was his first week or his first few days. And the Lord said to the, the gentleman who was taken, I can't remember who it was, that we are family and we're community. And he got everybody to actually get up and give each other a hug. Because when you think about it, there's you know, 60, 70 kids in this little church, praise and worship, who never get a cuddle. They've got no parents. They've got no family. Just that love of God to go around them was absolutely beautiful. So, and all I want to say, if anybody goes to Mozambique, take old shoes because you'll get sand in them. <laughs> it's, it, the ground is six inches of sand. It doesn't matter what you wear. You know, you, you wear sneakers, your sneakers are full of it at the end of the night. Yes, that's true. Um, we had um, a lovely time at Kruger before we actually went. So we did see some lions. Sorry, we did see some lions. No, just, no, oh, so okay. they can hear you, okay, darling. <laughs> Told you she was half my other brain. Um, the, just the time over there was wonderful. I could go on and on and yeah. on, but hallelujah. Amen. Good job. Well done. Wonderful. Pam, would you like to come up? Can you warmly welcome Pam? Yes, that's all right. Can you see that? Although I'm going to cut out most of what I was going to say. I think. There we go. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Actually, I can hardly see this. Yes, please. A missions trip isn't something that you tick off on your bucket list. Done that. Tick. It has ongoing implications. As you've heard, we've all been changed. Our hearts have been changed, our minds and our perspectives have been changed. And in a moment, I'll speak more about that ongoingness of that. Um, you've heard a lot about what happened at the base to us. And it was, it was amazing, just an amazing time for us. I'm just going to share one thing about on the base and then I want to move on to perhaps afterwards. Our first Sunday in Iris Simpeto, 
And you saw it on the slides. We went to Marikwaini. A marvellous church and a flourishing youth project of those boys. And the lunch afterwards was fantastic. The lunch was for the church, for the boys in the project, and for anyone who just turned up. And we had a great time with them. And afterwards, we walked in the sand, of course. We walked the perimeter of the church and the, um, and the little, the little um, houses that each of the boys lived in. And the boys were so keen to show us each of their houses. And they wanted to show us where they, they um, slept, where they studied, where they cooked their meals. And they really wanted to show us how tidy and clean that they were keeping their little space, which was, was wonderful. So we were walking in the sand, walking and walking. And when you keep walking in sand for quite a while, chatting, it's quite slow going. So as we walked out of the blue, and I was reminded this morning, this was a word that was given before we even went. But out of the blue, the Holy Spirit said to me, keep your eyes and your ears open along the way. Keep your eyes and your ears open along the way. And soon after that, I had a big surprise. This missions trip wasn't my first one to Mozambique. I'd made a few trips to that Simpato base, uh, in the, just out of the capital, Maputo. And then for several years, I, I worked on the Iris base North, yes, 2,500 kilometres north um, in, on this, in this long, narrow country. And there at the children's centre there, I was assigned in my spare time, I was assigned 10 boys, a dormitory of 10 boys, to, to really disciple them. And so on the evenings and some weekends, we would sit on their, their long porches and we would talk and sing and dance and read and pray together and play games. And this was a, amazing. This went on for almost seven years. And it was just a growing sense of, um, of discipling with these boys. But, but this day, as we were walking along in the sand, this particular day, I saw one of these boys. 2,500 kilometres south of where I'd lived with him. And he was just in the community there. Jamitu was one of those ten boys. And he was one of those, there's a few of them that I had lost contact with. This was amazing. And God had said, keep your eyes and your ears open. He was no longer a boy, of course. He was, yeah, a grown young man. That was an amazing, and now I'm waiting to see, okay, God, where is this going to go next with, with Jamitu? In Simpato, as you've heard, community was a, is, is just something that, that touched us all so, so deeply. It was really just through the, the, rhythm, the rhythms of life, the daily rhythms that happened at um, the base there. And it was a bit like a glimpse of heaven. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it really was a glimpse. And 
And it's only walking with Jesus, as many of them have said earlier, walking with Jesus, that constant at different times, walking, praising, praying, walking with Jesus, that we're going to get that more of a glimpse of heaven. In the short time, so we're back in Canberra. We're back in Canberra. In the short time that I've been back, I've got many memories that, are, that will take a long time to work through, as for all of us. But I just want to share very briefly three of them with you. The children and the teenagers and the adults, both in the centre and in the village, I want to share that their life joy was catching. Living in community with God with so little. And this continues to challenge me deeply. But just last week, this experience, this life joy that, that we all experienced, formed like a template for me, like a grid, but not a, not a rigid one, but like a template as I pray for an answer to an ongoing challenge within the community that I live in in my community, living that life joy, Jesus, only Jesus, living that life joy in my community. That was the first memory that I want to share. The second one, those unexpected surprises that God brings into our lives. They're his miracles. Approaching every day with eyes and ears, wide open to what God's going to reveal on that particular day. Every day is going to be different with God. And the third one, I want to just share. Our powerful God, the one who breaks every chain. <coughs> Seeing this in the changed lives in Zimpeto and, and in Canberra, in, around the world, keeps challenging me. And I rejoice. Alleluia. Uh, and before I finish, as Arlene said, I need to say perhaps a little bit more about Genesio. It just tells you a bit of a story of one of the boys. So, yeah, while we were there, he was able to come and, and we had a wonderful reunion, a wonderful reunion there. He says his week in Zimpeto changed him forever. And God loves a changed, laid-down life. Now, when I first knew Genesio as a nine-year-old, he was very shy. He would sit in the back. When the, when the school eventually had some buildings in Pemba, he would sit right in the back seat of the, the classroom. The classrooms were the same size as ours. But in the class, there were 90, nine zero children in each classroom. And he would sit in the back. And he told me later, it was so that he wouldn't have to put up with the shenanigans that went on with the, so many of the other students in the class, because he wanted to learn. So he sat in the back and just listened and did what he could. So he's now, though, still a fairly shy young man. But he had dreams to study. Now, when you have those sorts of dreams, you don't just get a scholarship like we might, you might hear or someone pays for you to go to university. That doesn't happen. 
he had to knock on lots of doors and he had to apply to many donors and he had to look for government grants and then he had to do it all again too before he, was, he received one, a government university scholarship. But that took, I'm trying to think, it was at least a year, maybe two years for him to keep doing that, to find that scholarship. It was hard going. And then after he graduated, he had to do it all again. Because finding a job in Mozambique is difficult. And it's especially difficult if you refuse to pay a bribe. But here he was this day with us, asked by Papa Steve, to give his testimony at the secondary school church service, which is an uh, a singing, dancing, listening to the word time. And he was so aware, though, that he was speaking and connecting to kids from the, from the villages around, because the school is now mostly from the children in the community and um, in, in the surrounding villages. He could connect to their present lives because he'd had a difficult childhood. And they knew that he, understand, that he understood them. Uh, someone asked me, well, what did he say? And he certainly said something quite, quite simple. He said three things and he spoke to each of these. The first one was, always put God first. And the second thing was, keep persevering. And the third one was, never give up. And as his journey with God, his faith journey with God has increased, that's come about by, through difficulties. And yet the joy in that young man's life is, is very, very noticeable. And we, we could really see that. Hallelujah, team. Yeah, yeah. So what do I want to leave with you? When I was eight years old, I had a dream. I dreamt that one day I'd be a missionary in Africa. Well, it took decades and decades for me even to see a glimmer that that might happen. And in the meantime, though, I was learning life along the way. God uses everything in our lives. Sometimes our hopes and our dreams take a long time to actualise. But God is with us every step of the way. And so I'm praying that God will give you, each of you, dreams and visions to explore in whatever way he puts into your heart different cultures or different communities on a missions trip to see how God is working his ways amongst other people. This might be in Australia. There's many mission trips going around Australia. It might be overseas. But spending time in another community, different to our own, another culture, opens our eyes to what God is doing and his ways and also to parts of ourselves that we maybe have never looked at.
Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's all from me. Thank you, Pam. Can I invite the worship team back up um, at this point? Let's just turn that one off. Thank you so much uh, for your love and patience in allowing us to share part of what God did in us and through us over these three weeks. Um, I hope that you hear throughout all of our testimony that in amongst the practical painting cupboards, painting nails, flying paper aeroplanes, there was a much more significant thing which was the eternal so not only into the lives of those people we got to meet over there, both the children and the people who permanently care for them, the long-term missionaries and other short-term missionaries that we met while we were there, but also in our lives as well. Something that I found myself saying a lot since I've come home is it's both simple and complicated. It's hard to sit there with children who have stories of unimaginable pain and trauma. And yet, and so it's complicated. We don't want to present to you that this is somehow for all of them some fairy tale ending. But in the midst of it, we saw a God, a God who is present with his people, showing up at garbage dumps and in the middle of prisons and seeing prisoners who are more free than most people live on the outside. And just a reminder of who our God is. I I can tell you, not that there was any shadow of a doubt for me, but I am more convinced than ever before that Jesus is real and the gospel is true wherever we are. There is not anybody who cannot be touched by the power and the presence of Jesus. And I'll leave you with this final picture. We, as you will have seen on the pictures and reference, we had a two-day trip to Kruger on the way to Mozambique. And God had been saying to us to not miss the little things, to be paying attention. And we drove into the gate, no concept of how quickly we'd see animals or if we would see any. And the very first thing that we saw was an eagle with a snake in its talons. And that was not lost on us right there in that moment. And yet the bookend to our time in Kruger was that the very last thing we saw was a lion on a rock. And so I want to declare to us this morning that he has triumphed over evil. That we can live as daylight people right now. And that our God is on the throne. And yes, it's complicated. The human response to poverty in this world is always going to be lacking. But we have a God who has promised that he will come again and that he has triumphed over evil and that he will establish a new kingdom. And we are his kingdom people. And so I want to invite you to stand this morning The team are going to sing over us this morning a song about God's goodness because that's what we're here and have testified to you today, that in the midst of it all, our God is is good. 
and that nothing is impossible for him. I want to invite the prayer teams to come up the front um, now as the worship team prepare to sing over us. You might have come this morning and you have a prayer need in your life. You might need healing in your body. You might need breakthrough in relationships, in your family. You might need the reassurance of his very presence in your life and that you have a place that you fit in his kingdom. You may not even have yet said yes to Jesus in your own life. Well, we have a God who is like the lion on the rock. And he is so willing and ready to meet with you this morning. And our prayer team are ready and willing to pray with you this morning. And I'm also going to just invite the Mozambique team up. We had the privilege of laying hands on many heads and having hands laid on ours, not even necessarily understanding what was being prayed, but our God is not limited by language. And we would love to bless you this morning. We would love to impart to you some of the things that we actually can't express but are still there in us. We were told about this bird when we were in the Kruger. We saw it and it's a little fire bird. And what it does is if there's a bushfire started in the national parks there, it takes a twig and it flies and it starts a fire somewhere else, not not to be destructive, but actually so that the, the, the bugs fly up and it has something to eat. And God really talked to us while we were away about the fact that even if we can't put words on it, we can be like that firebird that picks up a twig from some of the fire that we saw in Mozambique and bring it back here so that there's a fruitfulness in us. And we didn't go just to represent ourselves. We went because we're part of the body of Christ and we're part of this family. And that some of the things that God has deposited in us that perhaps we can't give voice to, He has for you this morning as well. That you don't miss out just because you weren't physically there, although we are hoping to take another team next year. So if you want to talk to us afterwards in the cafe, come and and find us and find out more because we'd love to go again. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. So let's celebrate that with this worship song now. And if you would like prayer, please come forward and receive prayer this morning. Don't go home without having someone stand with you in prayer this morning.